And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I got to tell you about today's episode, Sponsor Friends. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is powered by Fullscale.io. Hiring software developers is difficult, but Fullscale can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And they have the platform to help you manage that team. Visit Fullscale.io to learn more. Now, my friends, dear listeners, those of you who listen to Startup Hustle and in particular listen to my episodes know that there, there I, I have some hot button, I have some trigger topics, things that I love talking about, things that I get really passionate about. Y'all know this. Today, we happen to be talking with a leader who can speak to some of these really, really amazing things. We're going to be talking about culture, and we're going to be talking about how to become an activated, confident leader and all kinds of amazing things. And I'm very, very, very grateful and privileged to have with us today, Laura Hearn. Laura is founder of LH Consulting, and we're going to, we're going to talk a lot of, about a lot of cool stuff. But first off, Laura, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me today. <laughs> well, that you know, that was very that was very polite. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go ahead and kick it off. And I'm going to ask the perennial question. I'm going to ask you, Laura, tell us about your journey. So, you know, it's an open ended question that I love being asked like it's a love-hate relationship with that question it's a lot it can be very like overwhelming or intimidating yeah. but but we're all friends here <laughs> exactly no and what's important you know you mentioned about like culture and all these other limiting beliefs it all starts many many years ago <laughs> as my five-year-old likes to tell her her stories is like once upon a time many many years ago um I was raised in a multicultural upbringing. Okay. I, like that, that's the, the key thing here. Um, my mom's a naturalized citizen from Central America. My dad's a second generation American from Ukraine and, Hungar and Hungary. So very interesting cultures. Sure. <laughs> well, and it feels like, together. Do you, think, do you think that that kind of informed your your work today I, I'm, I'm very curious yeah. about this because I, yeah, I love folks super connected from multicultural to backgrounds you're, you're so uh multi-dimensional mm. <laughs> it, it it did because you know like my dad grew up in a you know in poverty right they were recent immigrants to the United States they had like three families living in one house in like the slums outside of Pittsburgh like rough upbringing and my mom grew up in Central America, in Panama. She was born in Nicaragua, grew up in Panama, all during like the Noriega crap and things like that. Oh, wow. So, so although, you know, she grew up with her dad working on the canal zone and all of that, they still, it's second world country-ish, you know? Okay. 
and they didn't have this like wealth of knowledge about money and money management and thoughts about money. It was very much so immigrant mindset of, you know, you show up, you do your job, you, you work and you just try to do better for the next generation at the end. Well, so, so financial wellness or that kind of financial education and intentionality wasn't a part of the culture. No. Is that kind of yeah. what we're, we're talking about it here? Really known. It wasn't yeah. known. Okay. And All right. Well, so, so you come from this very, very interesting background. What does, yeah. tell us about that. Tell us more about how that manifests for you. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, it makes me sound so like classy. How did that manifest? No. Um, it connects to this, you know, growing up, right. We, my, my dad served in the military and then became a government contract, you know, government employee. So he did well, like we ended up in middle America. So like I didn't grow up in poverty or in terribly challenging times. They provided wealth, but there wasn't like a college fund. There wasn't any, you know, generational wealth or legacy planning or any of that type of stuff that led into, you know, me and the rest of my life in my early adulthood, especially coming of age during the 2008 crisis and then graduating college and during the 2011 financial crisis and time after time, these things that millennials, we elder millennials faced through I like to clarify. You know, we can uh, talk about that in pre-show prep, but I am also an elder millennial. Like, I see you, Laura. Yeah. I see you. Yeah, but I'm also the youngest. So, like, <laughs> I'm a very weird mix. Like, my parents are boomers, my siblings are Gen X, and I'm a millennial. Um, so, it's a very weird landscape. I'm like, I remember Sega and Atari. <laughs> but I also know the internet. Um, but that lack of money of confidence around money, that lack of padding, I guess, for lack of a better word, was something that led me to joining the financial services industry. Like later on, um, I married a military service member because that's something that happens when your dad was also in the military. And that's the only lifestyle, you know? Um, <laughs> and that, ended up, you know, just continuing to fuel me wanting to set us up for more success, like personal financial success, and led us to meeting with financial professionals and led me to wanting to be more in this realm. And how can I do more for others so that they're more prepared for life? It's so interesting how those kinds of formative experience in the previous generations can influence you so, so strongly. So like my grandma, she grew up, you know, during the Great Depression and she grew up in, in extreme poverty like so many others. And she she like hoarded food, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the thing is, it's like she never wanted for food. Like she had, re she had achieved financial stability and like she, there was never a worry that she wasn't going to have food. And yet that scarcity mindset was kind of baked into her. And so, <laughs> so it feels like your response to, you know, learning about your parents' struggles and their experiences, like it, it seems like you kind of internalized that a little bit and then you figured out a way to make the world better with it. 
Yeah. That, that accurate? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Okay, okay. You mentioned about your grandmother, like my aunt who lives in Pittsburgh still, um, she's had a phenomenal career. She's retired. She like can do whatever she wants with life. Like her and her husband are set up, right? They're fini- financially phenomenal. Oh my God, that little play on words. <laughs> um, but like, if you go down to her basement to her cellar, it is stocked, right? Because she yeah. was born during, you know, right after World War II. Yeah. Right. So all of the victory guard, you know, all of that mindset of saving everything was there because yeah. she, she was raised by individuals that grew up through the Great Depression. You know, like, so that is something that's connected. You know, I laugh <laughs> about it too, like in my regular life now. Um, my husband, love him to death. Um, he grew up in um, the LA area, right? In Los Angeles yeah. and Orange County area. And his family did not have the same type of immigrant background, if you will. Uh, more of the upper middle class Orange County, California um, lifestyle. When I eat my chicken wings, okay? <laughs> this is a cultural thing, like just how we were raised. When I eat chicken wings or anything like off the bone, I clean the bone. Not because I've ever, I have not once ever in my life worried about where my next meal is ever going to come from. I have never had that issue. I was never necessarily told like, you better clean your plate. But I know that I was told you better finish your meal because they're starving kids in other countries. Yeah. But my husband doesn't clean the bones. Like he eats the meat. Like, yeah. it doesn't clean it. And I'm like, I was like, you're such a waste. You're wasting so much good food and meat. And he's like, okay, scavenger. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> like, I, I appreciate the fact that, like, you know, you notice things like that, though. And honestly, this actually, this conversation that we're having, it's so interesting because sometimes on the show, like, we have conversations where I'm like, I don't even know where that came from. And we've, we've drilled down on a topic that I was not expecting. <laughs> said it kind of sets us up beautifully for what's to come because when we're thinking about it these kind of like ingrained behaviors and habits and, and cultural touchstones that we come to they're they're all they, they can be limiting beliefs like this is a limiting belief like I need to do X I need to save all the food ever even though there's no practical reason for that to be the case, you know, but I have to do this. I am compelled to do this. And so so I'm interested. Well, first things first, tell us about what you do through what I do now. And then we're going to track it back to. Yeah. yeah. So all of you connected, y'all. I promise. It is. It absolutely is. Um, Sounds, feels a little disconnected, disconjoined, but I promise you. I mean, it's an interesting conversation, but it's just like, huh. We just talked about the Great Depression and food scarcity on an episode. I was not anticipating doing that. (laughs) But again, like you said, limiting beliefs. So I've worked in the personal finance space for nearly a decade now, which as a woman (laughs) is a very treacherous (laughs) industry to try to make your own in. And that has led me to being really, really passionate about, about women's empowerment in the bridging that financial confidence gap. And it led me to really dig down this hole of what's leading the financial confidence. It can't be literacy because we have Google now, right? 
Right. So I started really interviewing and talking to a lot of women, which is why I also have a podcast. Um, but <laughs> it, you, can, you can tell us the name. Shameless plugs are allowed. What's the name of <laughs> Empowered Modern Women. Um, <laughs> it's on all streaming platforms. Um, <laughs> but I realized that it's way less about literacy and more about confidence. And it's more about the societal and cultural pressures that we as women face and the glass ceiling we have a habit of putting on ourselves. So I started LH Consulting to help small business owners, women business owners, help understand their true purpose and scale and grow their business authentically to themselves in a way that serves their true, true purpose. Because that's something that us as women typically struggle with is I don't ever want to be a fraud. I don't want to sound cringy or salesy or whatever. And I want to serve something bigger than myself because that's just how we are genetically programmed. So I help women do exactly that um, through sales trainings, through confidence and money mindset activities, um, just really the whole kit and caboodle when it comes to money mindset and growing your business. So that's what I do. So tell us, I'm really curious, and, and this is something that we've talked about on the show before, but that, that financial peace, financial wellness, peace of mind, building generational wealth, like it, it's relatively new in the scope of history to, to women for, you know, historically, we didn't have to worry about that because men were the providers, we were the gatherers and the, the carers and the nurturers. And so, so I'm curious, how do you see a woman's ability or capacity or even confidence within the financial space? What do you see when you're working with clients? What kind of barriers do you have to overcome? So double-edged question. <laughs> <laughs> so for me as a woman in this industry, it is inherently a little bit harder because most sales trainings are based on techniques from the 1980s, 1990s, geared towards men salespeople. Sure. And as a woman in a service-based industry, inherently meaning sales, um, because we're all selling something at the end of the day, um, those tactics don't work for me. <laughs> Women, we use, you know, more emotional emotions in our buying decision making process. Yeah. Um, and we like to have real, real relationships. And when you are forging a relationship, especially with personal finance, it needs to be a real relationship, not superficial. So I kind of had to pave my own way of how do I build my business and my clients. And the way I do that is through authentic conversations and connections. And it's a little bit longer sale process than my male counterparts. Sure. But it works. And that's why I coach other people because it's been successful to me. I don't want to keep it a secret. But one of the concerns that I see with a lot of my female clients is this, uh, like being a little bit more apprehensive, less confident about asking for a raise. Yeah. Um, less likely to ask questions when it comes to benefit time because they don't want to look stupid right? The annual benefits enrollments and these little things where we are fighting 
against each other competitively to stay relevant in the workplace. But then we aren't asking the right questions to make sure we are self, you know, advocating for ourselves properly. We're afraid to because we at least made it this far, right? That's the problem when it comes to women successfully navigating financially, setting them, you know, the future generations up and the pay gap and all that, a lot of it is self-imposed. Yeah. Well, and I I do want to like acknowledge and recognize, I was actually thinking as you were talking, I do want to acknowledge and recognize that sometimes that, that kind of uncertainty is, is definitely externally imposed. You know, you, you mentioned, um, you mentioned the fact that sometimes women have difficulty speaking up for themselves. And sometimes that's because it has been ingrained in us, societally conditioned for us to be, you know, the quiet ones and you can't be too egoy. But also, you know, when you're talking about like these old style sales trainings and things like that, the fact is a behavior that might work for a man in the, in a professional environment might not work for me because they might look at him and say, Oh, well, he's just a go-getter. He's just assertive. Oh, and then they might look at me and say, Oh, well, she's just a bitch. So sometimes it's externally imposed, but. Oh yeah. Well, it's it's twofold. It's twofold, right? There's external factors a hundred percent. And you know, I feel like the majority of us know all of those. Sure. Because we talk about the Me Too, we talk about the the pay gap and gender um, discrepancy in you know, representation in the work. Unconscious bias, harassment. You know, we yeah, talk like, about all there. of that <laughs> all the time. Sure. But what we don't talk about is ways we can build our own path. We can internally figure out a way to pave our own way right? So that we aren't labeled as a bitch and that we don't feel like we are ruffling feathers, yeah. um, et cetera. Because that I know what it's like to be in a room where you are the only woman at your company at, at the table. Like literally that's not a secretary or admin person. Trust me, that is my life <laughs> at yeah. every firm I've ever worked at. And usually there's like a 20 to 30 year age difference as well. Sure. Especially when I first came into the industry and I was in my twenties. I know I, as elder millennials, we're going to have to stop being used to that because it's not going to happen anymore. I know. <laughs> I know. But I know what it's like to feel like you can't talk because I don't want to piss the senior partners off. And I don't want to do this, that I just want to keep my head down do my job, keep my job because it pays decently. Well, that also sounds like a really toxic place to work. Yeah, for sure. And how can we rewrite that narrative, right? That's one of the reasons why during COVID, so many women, not only did we leave the workplace because high societal, cultural expectations that the kids are out of school. Yeah, yeah. It, it, be, be often being the those primary caregivers as often as we are, and yeah. it, it kind of shoots us in the face sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> but it also allowed for so many women startups to happen. For sure, so many women realized, I'm not putting up with this shit anymore. I can create my own company, my own startup, my own tech company, et cetera, whatever genre it is, 
and rewrite the narrative. And you see so many of them coming out of COVID from the COVID dark years, I guess. I don't know what to call it. <laughs> but, <laughs> the dark um, times. <laughs> yes. Like, you know, it's, it's not that COVID doesn't exist anymore, but it was like yeah. the dark time of it. Um, with so much more momentum because of the human factor that happened. Yeah. Well, so, so tell me this, you know, well, actually really quickly, I'm going to break in and I'm going to say, uh, kudos to our episode sponsor, full scale, full scale with full scale, finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult. When you visit fullscale.io, you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. Friends, we are here today with Laura Hearn, founder of LH Consulting. And we're talking about a lot of stuff, but I, I want to drill down a little bit on something that we just kind of touched on. So, so there are external limiting factors, but then there are internal limiting factors. And one of the things that we actually talk about around the innovator community, which is my company, Laura, um, you know, we've got about 6,000 members. And one of the things that we talk about frequently is imposter syndrome. And you, yeah. you've cir we've circled around it, but I want to, I want to drill down into it a little bit. And I just want to ask you, what are some, you tell us about some of the clients that you've worked with, or, you know, maybe some stories that you've heard, some kind of case studies where you were able to help a woman who is experiencing that imposter syndrome come to confidence in yep. their ability to financially plan and take control of their financial destiny. It is every day. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's what you do. It's like the whole yeah. deal, right? Yeah. So. Here's the thing that I drill down with everybody, right? Because imposter syndrome isn't just a woman's thing. It's an every human thing, right? We all have that at some level. Sure. Um, I just connect more better, right? <laughs> with women because- More better, yeah. Yeah, I am one. Um, but what happens a lot is we have the these blocks, right? These limiting beliefs that- seep into and cause imposter syndrome. So imposter syndrome is like, it's not the root. It's like the symptom yeah. of having money blocks and mind limiting beliefs. So we talked at the beginning of the episode about kind of about scarcity, right? Poverty yeah. consciousness and hoarding food, <laughs> cleaning the bones off your chicken wings. And if you suffer from poverty consciousness, you have to really relate to, okay, what about it, right? I acknowledge that my parents' upbringing seeped into how I was raised a little bit. And instead of kind of completely copying that, I've decided to shake things up and change the narrative for my kids and for what I do for a living by not worrying so much about a money pie in the sky that I need to fight for because there's only so many limited resources. Yeah. And to overcome that, I often ask people to look around themselves and their community, right? Wherever you locally are, like how many successful businesses are there? I'm like, oh, well, there's all these other ones. I'm like, okay, how many of them are actually in the same exact industry, but they're all really successful? And they're like, Oh, a lot. Like I'm in a military town, so there's a lot of government contractors. And where I'm in a military town by an aviation base, 
So there's a lot of aviation military contractors here and they're all really successful. So it's not about limited resources. It's about just you think there is, that there's right. no room for you, that there's already so many coaches. There's already so many advisors. There's already so many podcasts. I'm not, where, where can I fit in? Right. Right. So working on poverty consciousness, that scarcity mindset is key there so that you can realize, show up, start showing up. Yeah. And then there's this guilt that we like to feel about money. Um, This is again, connected to that. They're starving kids in Africa. Um, Money doesn't to talk about money. Huh? I always heard it's bougie to talk about money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe that. I think yeah, no, 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 no. You don't talk about this. You don't talk about this. You don't. But that makes you feel bad, right? If you, if someone tells you, like, just be happy with what you have, finish your food because they're starving kids somewhere else in the world, that makes you feel bad for having. And that seeps into you not showing up, right? There's so many people that do the same thing I do. And if I show up and then I I feel bad charging my worth and, you know, there's other people that deserve it more than me, right? This is all building that imposter syndrome because you feel bad about charging for your quote unquote hobby, charging to help people with things that you're passionate about, charging to share your knowledge, et cetera. Like, why do you feel bad? (laughs) Let's really think about this. Why shouldn't you be paid your worth? What is it if you become wildly successful and step into your true abundance, what else are you going to be capable of doing? Yeah. What's the impact? Well, so so let's, let's get tactical for just a minute. What... How do you help your clients overcome these internal, very, very real limiting yeah. beliefs? I mean, if you if you believe something, it is really, really easy to get to become beholden to a belief. <laughs> so, so talk to us. Yeah, talk to us about how how you work with your clients to overcome to overcome their their I don't know insecurity, you know, whatever it's it is. imposter syndrome, right? All of these limiting beliefs build into imposter syndrome, right? They yeah. build into it. They're the actual causes of imposter syndrome. So first we have to identify all of these things. Right? All of these little what your current belief systems are. What are you currently believing? Because our brains are confirmation seeking machines, whatever we have adopted to be our belief systems today, like not necessarily religious, but like what you think about yourself, what you think about your business, about being, et cetera, whatever. We have to identify the problem beliefs first. Yeah. And figure out where they came from, right? The root cause. Where did you hear it from? Sure. Is that a credible source or not? Right. We go through all of that stuff. We also go through an exercise of identifying what beliefs you want to adopt. Right. Like, where do you really want to be? Like, what's your real goals? Like, we, I have a whole process about identifying 
the belief systems you currently have, where you really want to be and what we need to start doing because it's not an overnight thing, right? Like you can't just be like, snap your fingers. Everything's magical. Like there is no overnight success on this. It's constant work to reprogram because if you've been told your whole life to think a certain way, your brain's going to constantly look for evidence for that. Right. So you have to start feeding your brain evidence that that belief is not true <laughs> and start feeding it evidence for what you want to believe in. Well, so you said that you have a a process for that. And I'm not going to ask you to give away all of your proprietary secrets and your, <laughs> your special magic, but can you give us a couple, like maybe just one or two of the steps, like the, the very actionable steps that you take with your clients to help them identify what their real goals are? I guess so. I mean, um, not the whole thing. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Hey, friends, listeners. If you feel that, you know, having some help and having a trusted, impartial, uh, very practiced eye to help you think about these things and overcome these things, definitely reach out to Laura at LH Consulting. We'll have links in the show notes. There yes, you go. We'll also have the link to the free e-guide that sets you up for that initial success of identifying the problem beliefs and identifying what you want. So I actually do give that away for free. All um, right. <laughs> shh, I was trying to, trying to wait for that. I, I'm wait, certainly wait. not going to tell anybody, but we've got a bunch of listeners who might not feel the same. <laughs> but yeah, so basically this e-guide that I have, it's, it, it's tailored to women. So for male listeners, um, sorry, not sorry, uh, but you can use it as well. Um, but it's female founders made, not born. Yeah. So it's all based on that principle that you have to do work. You have to work on yourself. It's an evolution process. So the first thing is really identifying, right? Hang on. I want to make sure I do it in the right way. It's really <laughs> be discovered. Right? I do it all the time. So like reiterate, I'm like, all right, I got to do this in the right order, guys. Um, hey, girl. Hey, take your time. <laughs> we work this is through, the you're giving us. <laughs> we work through poverty consciousness first, always first. So that's where we do the initial evidence search for abundance. So the questions that I typically ask clients and I'm going to ask you all today to think about <laughs> is what circumstances do you currently have in your life that show that you do have abundance? Hmm. Like, do you have running water? <laughs> do you have a sea central air? Um, I'm currently staring at my indoor bike thing that I bought during COVID. <laughs> and it's not a Peloton. But wait, 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 the important question is, though, have you been using it during COVID, Laura? I did, but I'm pregnant Yay! now. Oh, okay. so well, I have okay. a valid excuse. You do. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll certainly allow it. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, just look around you. Now, this isn't supposed to be like an activity again to be like, just be happy with what you have. But just like, look, like you do have stuff. Yeah. You do have it. Now let's also go into what times in your life has money come easily, whether 
you know, that people was like, what do you mean come easily? I'm like, you ever have a nine to five job where you just got paid for showing up? Where do you find one of those? <laughs> Apparently they used to exist back in 2019. Um, <laughs> good, to, I mean, good to know, man. I don't, I don't know. All right. Yeah. Um, but just think about times where, you know, you weren't hustling so much or even when you've had a hustle a side hustle where you were able to get a bunch a couple clients you know think about those times like money isn't necessarily hard to get ethically um (laughs) ethically i mean sometimes you reach into a coat you haven't worn since last season and it's right there in the pocket you got a fiver just right there sometimes it just comes to you And then also looking at around you, you know, I talked about asking the question of like how many successful businesses are in your community or in your county, in your state, you know, how many millionaires, how like there are a lot of millionaires and billionaires popping up left and right. Like there is in fact, you know, proof that there is enough to go around. And we work through what evidence have you had in your life that there is, in fact, no competition because each person's right clients will find them, right? We work through these types of questions to really start laying that evidence groundwork to start rewriting like, okay, yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And now we'll get into guilt and understanding why do you feel bad about charging your worth? Why do you feel bad showing up? Why? Like we have to get through these initial, initial limiting beliefs and start adding on top of that. Okay. Well, what do you really want to do? What would be the ideal picture, right? If you, were in your abundance and you were paid your worth and you were wildly successful, what would that actually look at look like? So we use visualization techniques to really get into that. Yeah. And then we start laying the groundwork of action items. How can we use everything that you really want in life and everything you truly believe is good and your business to work together to scale your business. Yeah. And by using that techniques, those techniques of understanding the limiting beliefs, understanding the beliefs you want, understanding the success you want and the goals you want and applying strategies that start giving you results immediately, it will start clicking off the box of providing the evidence to get, to eradicate the limiting beliefs of scarcity mindset of guilt about money, about believing that money is the root of all evil and all of that other crap that we've been talking about by implementing customized action items to your business, to your business model, tweaking things so that you can start seeing immediate results because the results will prove to you like, Oh yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Well, and I think you you said, you've said a lot of powerful things, but you said something really powerful in there. And I I just want to mention this because I I think entrepreneurs and founders by nature, we're, we're problem solvers, right? 
we we like to figure things out and we like to we like to overcome you know that that's 90 percent of what being an entrepreneur is and so so the interesting thing well one of the interesting things that you said or that you mentioned is that you kind of talked about retconning basically like envision the future that you want and then track it back from there like what does it take if this is the the planned the expected and the desired outcome then what steps are going to be necessary in order to to reach that goal and i i love approaching problems that way like sometimes you know when i'm planning an event for ihkc i'll close my eyes and i'll just picture the event in my head like what kind of lighting? How many people? Where is it? What does the food taste like? What does the, the air smell like? What music is playing? And that's that's how I kind of approach my work. You know, I, I, I picture the outcome I want and then I figure out what it's going to take to get there. And it sounds like that's part of the process of what you do with your clients. Let's get really intentional about the goal and then let's figure out exactly what it's going to take, the milestones, the steps along the way, that it's going to take to get there. Would you say that's accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially working with women entrepreneurs and women founders. Yeah. Because a lot of times our businesses are very heart centered. Yeah, for sure. And we have a inner calling, right? We have that call to become an entrepreneur to solve a problem, right? For about something we care about typically. Yeah. Typically we start a business Usually, because we care about it. Most entrepreneurs have personal experience with the problem that they're trying to solve. Exactly. And that makes us all inventors, right? Because we invent our yeah. own way of handling business, solving problems. And when you have that aha moment of, I can fix this. <laughs> um, you sometimes can get paralyzed because of imposter system, because of the limiting beliefs. So you have to start feeding. You have to see what you really like that. Aha, I can solve it. Keep that alive and work backwards. Like that's absolutely necessary to keep you like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Let's keep on track because, and often I see it all the time. We take two <laughs> steps forward and then all of a sudden we take one step back in another aspect that we didn't expect. Right. And I think that's really, really important for entrepreneurs and female founders to understand is that sometimes, oftentimes, things don't go to plan. And that doesn't mean you quit or give up. Right. You started your business for a reason. Because something called you, there was a true purpose, a calling that you could not ignore. Let's make sure that you set yourself up for success and surround yourself with people that help get you there and in an effective, efficient manner. And yeah. it's okay to hit troubled water every once in a while. That means you're on the right path. You have to hit some rocky, rocky bumps in the road. Sure. Well, and sometimes the, you know, as frustrating as the step back can be, and, and, and honestly, like sometimes it's really disheartening to see progress that you've made. It feels like it's all swept away and it's all for naught. But I, I'm here. I'm just going to tell, hey, listeners, that's bullshit. That's a limiting belief. When you take the step back, sometimes it's time. That me just means that it's time for you to reevaluate and reiterate. You know, it's that that development process that we all kind of go through. It's just it's just a new piece of it. So keep going. Uh, and, and now I gotta, I, I'm so excited for this. I'm, so I'm going to ask you the human question and I've been waiting to ask you this 
Yeah, ah, I, I so the like she's gonna ask me she's gonna it's ask coming, me it's coming. well and i'm gonna ask you a hard one okay because you are a thoughtful person clearly uh and so I, i'm going to i'm going to ask you ask you this we're talking about beliefs mm-hmm. and i i love people who stand staunchly and strongly in their beliefs uh, the systems of thinking that that help them figure out the world, the lenses through which they view things. And so I'm going to ask you to talk to us. Uh, tell us about a belief that you have that has served as your North Star. And you, there, you can have several of these. I just want one. Um, but, you know, what? what is a belief that you hold that you live and die by? It's the hill that it's the hill that you would die on and the line in the sand that you would never, ever cross. Okay. Woo, I know it's a tough one. I, I gave you a tough one. I, I'm you telling did. you that you right were, now. You with like, I'm getting it. What's your favorite color type of questions? Um, so, so my guiding mantra, so I don't know if a belief is the right way to label it. Okay. But when shit hits the fan and I feel stuck, right, in my own business, in my own personal life, I remember the idea of relentless forward motion. And this is key. I talk about it um, Um, (laughs) frequently-ish. Frequently-ish. That's a new word I'm going to try to use today. (laughs) Um, I did the Marine Corps Marathon in 2020 during COVID. Yeah. I used my bike um, and ran on my treadmill that I bought um, and ran a marathon. And that was one of the most challenging things I've ever done. But every step forward, right, whether it was a a run, a jog, a walk, a crawl, a limp, because my hip flexor seized, whatever, relentless forward motion, keep going. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. Keep going. Just just put one foot in front of the other. And sometimes it's going to be a teeny, teeny, tiny little step. Sometimes it's going to be a giant stride, but just you can do hard things. Yeah. So that's actually my mantra. Uh, You you literally just said my exact mantra. (laughs) Whenever I do something that makes me uncomfortable, the thing that I say to myself is you can do hard things, Lauren. So so I love that you just said that. I knew that we had so much synergy. I could feel it. I mean, our names sound the same. Right? 80s. It's crazy. Well, I got to tell you, Laura, it has been... A pleasure connecting with you, learning with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. And friends, like I said, definitely check out Laura's podcast. Can you give us the name again? Empowered Modern Women. Empowered Modern Women. I love the title. Uh, Definitely check the show notes for some links to learn more about LH Consulting and Laura Hearn. And friends, I'm going to tell you, Finding expert software developers doesn't have to be difficult. I know we all think it's super, super hard, but when you visit fullscale.io, you can build a software team quickly and affordably. Use the Fullscale platform to define your technical needs and then see what available developers, testers, and leaders are ready to join your team. Visit fullscale.io to learn more. And friends, I'm also going to remind you, friendly little reminder, about Founder Fridays. We recently did a Startup Hustle series with Frank Keck. He is a actually a culture expert. That's what he does 100% of the time as his job. He interviewed all of the Startup Hustle hosts about culture setting and 
I am partial to my episode, of course, because Frank is an excellent interviewer, but definitely check out Matt DeCourcy, Matt Watson, Andrew, uh, Andrew Morgan's like, it's just a really great series. And I love, I love the way that we were able to explore culture with an expert and I invite you to take part in it. So give us a listen, keep coming back. We are very, very grateful that you listen to us week after week. So appreciative. And we will catch you next time. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.